Welcome to Doing Big Things. I'm Brett McDermott, and every week we are going to explore the systems, mindset, and habits that are allowing people to take action on their dreams and be the hero of their own story. My hope is that you walk away from every episode with new tools and strategies that will help you to realize your full human potential and do big things in your own life. I appreciate you being here. Let's get started. Guys, I'm pumped up today because we've got a Las Vegas real estate rock star with us. He's amassed over 30,000 Instagram followers on the back of some of the most informative real estate content out there anywhere. He's hosted instructional webinars on how to leverage social to build your business with the almighty Tom Ferry. His passion and purpose in life is helping people grow wealth through real estate. And today we're going to try and figure out how he's doing all he's doing. Jeffrey Sable, thanks for being on the show, my man. Awesome, Brett. Thanks for having me. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. Excited to talk to you for the next 45 minutes or so and hope we can have a good conversation and bring a lot of value to your viewers. Let's dive into it, man. That That yeah. is the spirit. So I want yeah. to kind of rewind a little bit. Like what, what year, how long have you been in the real estate industry, Jeff? So I've been licensed full-time and I've been full-time the entire time for about eight years now. Okay. Um, it's been a fun journey. It's been a lot of fun. I think probably the last two years I've learned the most amount of the business and, you know, just doing different things. Um, I know when we were talking earlier, you mentioned, you know, advice or, you know, difficulties starting off. I'd say probably the, the, the thing that I would recommend the most for people would be, uh, you don't learn that much in real estate school and in school in general. So I think the best thing you can do is kind of realize when you get into things that you're, you're, you're probably at a disadvantage with as little information. I mean, I look back and they don't really even teach you how to fill out a contract and stuff like that. So if I could start it over, what I'd recommend for everyone would be, you know, to find a real good mentor at day one and start with that. Because I, I kind of spun my wheels for a while and, you know, it, it, you learn from it. But that was probably the main thing of just how really unprepared you are when you get out of it. Because you are running a business and we're not taught to look at it as a business. So that's what I would say is, is probably the thing that I've learned the most and the thing that I would recommend the most. Yeah, I totally agree, right? When you get out of uh, real estate school, you, they don't really teach you too much about running a business. You know, they they, they yeah. teach you all the things that they have to teach you, uh, you know, by, yeah. by law. But there's really, there's not too much in that course about, you know, how to generate leads, how to market yourself and, you know, how, how to balance your own books. And that that's the stuff that really yeah. matters. So, okay, so eight years, you know, what did the first two or three years look like for you? I mean, did you have a lot of success there in those first two or three years? Were you working renters, buy? side, sell side? What, what did that look like for you? Uh, mainly buyers. I didn't really have too much success. I'd say probably the first year it was kind of trial and error. I would say that the second and third year I started gaining some momentum. I started, you know, doing like some online advertising and things like that. I would probably say eight years total, probably the last four years is where it's really taken off. And I think the thing that it really comes down to is just having, you know, multiple different streams of, of, I hate saying lead generation, but that's effectively what it is. Multiple streams of that. Um, starting off, it was just like doing one specific thing. And you're kind of naive when when you start in the business. You think, oh, you talk to someone, you had a good conversation, you're going to hear back from them. <laughs> you and I know you you rarely ever hear back from anyone. 
And I joke with people, they're like, well, what if you have a difficult client? I'm like, well, the best thing about us in this business is if we have a difficult client, if you never follow up with them again, you're never going to hear from them again. Right. So that was, that was the, you know, that's the stuff you just learn that you realize that no matter how much you communicate with people and no matter how good things do, you're, you're still going to have the majority of them just aren't going to do business with you. It's just, that's just the reality of it. So that, that to me was probably the main takeaway of the first couple of years in business. Once I started realizing that and realizing it doesn't matter how good of a conversation or how many properties you showed someone, they're, they're really not that committed to you. Then you kind of really start looking at business a lot differently. Sure. Absolutely. And, you know, everyone out there knows, you know, three to four or maybe more real estate agents, right? So yeah. to, to think you're the only agent that's in their phone book, in their Rolodex is kind of naive. But if you're the one that's, yeah. you know, following up consistently with values, staying top of mind with marketing endeavors, then you're the yeah. guy that they're probably going to go with. And so yeah. you mentioned, and I, it's funny thing is too, is after starting a podcast, there's so many correlations between like getting started in real estate and then starting a podcast. I mean, the, yeah. the, the really good guests you got to follow up with them a few times to get them on the show, right? It, it, it's totally similar to like the really it, good clients yeah. that, that you want to work with. So it's, it's been a yeah. kind of a funny parallel that I've noticed. Um, so you mentioned multiple streams of lead gen has been really the key to kind of you taking off, hitting that next plateau in your business. So, you know, let's dive into that a little bit. What are your main pillars for lead gen, you know, right now, 2023? Well, I would say the first and foremost, of course, past clients, you know, that referrals, that's the the foundation of any business, whether you're talking about a real estate agent or, or any business, it's the word of mouth. It's people that you've given great service to. So that's, that's the number one. Number two is I do do a lot of online lead generation. So through my website, I've kind of stopped doing that as much the last, I'd say 12 to 18 months, just because I think the, the quality of those leads has, has dropped off a lot. Uh, but then I do a whole bunch of other stuff, a variety of different things. You know, it's like 10, 15% here, 10, 15% there. You know, for example, one thing that I've been really going hard after the last six to 12 months that I've had good success with is absentee homeowners. You know, Vegas is such a second home market and we have so many people that bought right before the pandemic, unfortunately haven't been able to utilize probably the property as much as they originally intended to Sure. look at what they've spent look at that their lifestyle has changed so much, still like the house, but realize, you know, it would probably be a smarter decision just for us to cash out. So the absentee homeowners is a big thing. Of course, you know, um, agent to agent referrals is another big thing just because Vegas is such a popular um, referral destination, sure. especially, you know, with how many people are moving here from, you know, like California, Hawaii, yeah. even back East, you know, for warmer climate, things like that. So, that's, I, I like to have maybe six or seven of them going at a time, not just be too over leveraged into one thing. You know, the thing that scares me is I hear people and I'm, I'm sure you've heard people, especially even like in the Tom Ferry ecosystem where they're like, we get 80% of our business from like Zillow flex or something. And, and I'm right. not against any form of lead generation. I think that there's a, there's a function and a purpose for all of it. Sure. But you know, as with anything in business, it's just the concern is if you're too over leveraged in one, one area that's, you know, that, that could be a big problem. There's a, a mentor of mine that uh, does a lot of online advertising for his business through Facebook, um, through Facebook ads. And he said, you know, about 80% of our marketing was through Facebook ads. 
well, they really changed the algorithm like back in 2020 on how you can distribute ads and different things. And it really hit him. So when you're looking at someone that's spending, I mean, he's spending like a million bucks a month on Facebook ads to have his business, you know, just by one small change, have this huge impact, you know, and your traffic's down 50%. That to me was kind of like a wake up call. So I think always adding never subtracting, you know, always adding different things. You know, we, we do one thing I've been doing that you and I've talked about is a lot of like the outbound messages to agents and stuff, you know, sure. through like these webinars and stuff like that. You've got this podcast that in and of itself is, you know, one of the benefits is lead generation. So that's what I would say. I, I've just tried really the last two years or so really just to constantly, add, even if it's just something that I do, maybe five hours a month and you get maybe one deal for the year, you know, they're just all little different investments. I like that a lot. And I think that the agents that can succeed, of course, in strong markets, but also softer markets are the ones that have those four five, six, yeah. seven streams of leads that, that are coming, you know, downhill towards them. Um, yeah. Just to dig in a little bit towards a couple of those. I know you mentioned absentee owners. So just to kind of get a little more, more granular on your process there, you know, how do you target these owners? How do you get their contact information? And like, how are you making that first contact? So the majority of all my content is direct letters, uh, handwritten mm -hmm. envelopes, that type of thing. I just have kind of a theory, you know, that it may be market by market, but I just think it's very difficult to get a hold of people on the phone right now. You know, sure. so I try to do, you know, postcards, letters, you put the content on the postcards, things like that. So I have some software through a real estate investing group that I'm in and it can basically pull all it's, it's your title company can do it, but I, it pulls all of the absentee owners. Uh, I want to pull up people that have owned it probably more than, you know, 18 months or so in a specific area. And then I just send out direct letters to it. And the direct letter is very straightforward. It's just, everything is trying to be like in a conversational type piece. So okay. one of the letters that I wrote was, um, you know, for example, you know, long story short, it would just be like, Hey, Brett, just wanted to write you a letter. I just helped one of your neighbors sell their house. They actually own this property as a vacation property through the pandemic. They haven't traveled here as much. Uh, they still love the house. They still love the area, but their lifestyles changed the last couple of years. They've decided that they want to sell that and take that money and invest it somewhere else. What are your thoughts or how have you been using the property last couple of years? Is it becoming a maintenance burden? Have you been inconvenienced because instead of enjoying the property, you're coming here just to check on it? So, just like a story type mail piece to send out to it's very non-salesy. It's just, okay. Hey, here's an example. I want to showcase what we did and I've gotten a really good response to it. It's not like, Hey, I can get you top dollar or any of that type of stuff. It's just <laughs> like you and I are having a conversation. Like if you were my friend and you say, I own this house and to be like, well, let's talk about it and have a conversation. And that's the thing that I try to do in all the letters, all the marketing pieces of this is some people in your similar, if not identical situation, this is what they're doing. This is how I help them. And then just a whole bunch of questions. What would you do with that money? Are you aware that since most people bought the property's gone up, you know, 25 to 50%. When was the last time you reviewed what it's worth? How much does it cost you per month per year? What would you do with that money? You know, all these questions to kind of get their mind going. So that's the thing. I like the direct letters above all else. I think it's, it's, yeah. uh, it's a very soft touch and I think it's something that you can fit a lot of information into it and I've gotten a really good response from it.
I think it's something a lot of agents are not doing too. I mean, a lot of yeah. agents are, are blasting out the, the glossy postcards, um, yeah. which can come off as very salesy. But if yeah. you're sending like a letter in an envelope that's folded up and typed out and with your name at the bottom, I'm assuming your phone number, it's got a bit more yeah. of a personal touch. I think I could see people appreciating that more and it kind of cutting through the noise a little bit. Well, that's it. And then, and the other thing is realizing that it's going to take, you know, at least five touches. So that's the thing where when you're sending out the first one, you're probably going to get zero response to it. Then the second one. And, and the thing that keeps, I was talking to someone the other day and they were talking about, you know, you're so consistent with it. I'm like, well, the thing about it is I don't even look at it. Like, do I need to be consistent or am I motivated? The way that I look at it is I know that if you're sending out the first one, the odds are very low. The second one still very low. I get excited when you're in the third to fourth to fifth piece, because that's when, you know, you're really in kind of like the, the money zone of when you're really going to start getting those opportunities. And, you know, someone may get the letter, you might send me a letter and I might open it and I'd be like, this is a nice letter. I'd like to talk to him. Then life gets in the way. So I think people, if you don't get a response, a lot of times they think like, oh, they're rejecting. You have to continue to keep hitting people multiple, multiple times just because people are busy. There's a lot of noise. They're getting a lot of postcards and stuff like that. So that's kind of where I get the motivation from is just knowing that when you're like the fifth touch and on, you're really in the spot where you've really exponentially increased your chances of, of getting a contact and developing that relationship. Very cool. And, and just one more on these letters, because I just think they're huge. And I think it's something that many agents or small business owners just are not doing. Yeah. You said you're, you're handwriting the address on the front and we're, and we're typing the actual letter itself, right? So the actual letters typed out. Everyone gets the same letter. Uh, yeah. You know, it's about one page long. It's like font 11. So mm -hmm. honestly, it's... I'm getting very, very specific and intentional in the letter. It's not like a generic letter. I don't even know if the majority of people would read it, but the one person that has had it, they're going to read this letter and they're going to be like, man, this guy's like talking directly to the situation I'm in because sure. I'm using as someone else as an example. So I get super, super specific in the letter. I have a bunch of questions, all these things. And then I also try to include, hey, this is what your neighbor's doing. So it kind of creates that, oh, I'm not the only one. There's someone else doing it. And then, yeah, in terms of the envelope itself, I handwrite the return address, handwrite the mailing address, put a you know a normal first class first class American flag stamp on it, and I use different inks. So like I'll use you know turquoise, burgundy, all these different colors, and it's it's just something to break the pattern in someone's mind. And I think that's the yeah. way that I try to do it with our videos or anything. Is it's just like very few people are doing this, and the people that are doing it, it all looks the same. So I'm like, if you can put a sticker on it or do something to break that pattern to create that curiosity. That that's the way that I do it. And every touch is going to be different. So it's sure. going to be, you know, a different envelope or something like that. Maybe a different colored envelope, just something where it's not like, Oh, I recognize this. I'm not going to open it. That yeah. type of thing. That's genius stuff, Jeff. I really like yeah. the fact that it's handwritten. I know myself, I'm much more, you know, um, liable to open an envelope if the address is handwritten for sure. Yeah. And if it's a different color ink, it might catch my eye even more so. And, you know, you know, raise that, uh, you know, two or 3%, the odds in, in your favor that I actually will open it. So that that's really, really smart stuff. That well, I and I think can... the ink really does a big difference too. Like my handwriting is not that great. So when you look at it, it, again, it's not like yeah. perfect penmanship where people are realizing like, okay, well, this is, did a machine do this? I, I joke, it's like the, the example that I heard years ago is it's almost like a birthday invitation type envelope. That's what you're kind of, that's kind of the response that you're eliciting. 
And then in terms of the ink, I originally did red ink, but after I did the first one, I was like, okay, it kind of looks like a debt collector letter, so I'm not going to do red. <laughs> so that's where I got all these different random colors now. So I got turquoise, I got, you know, purple. I mean, like, when was the last time you got an a, a envelope with a handwritten, you know, your name handwritten on it with a return address with, you know, purple or... I don't know. I've got so many colors, green, uh, dark green, <laughs> just, I just keep a, a big bundle of, of these pens and that's where every day I'll just pick another color randomly. So just, just again, breaking the pattern in someone's mind and doing something unique. I love that. And it, and it really would, if I saw like, you know, turquoise, uh, handwritten address, I'm thinking, I'm thinking birthday party. I'm thinking I'm getting a, a slice of cake at the end of this and I'm probably going to, I'm going to open that thing up. <laughs> yeah, it, it, exactly. That that's it. That's exactly it. Very cool, man. That that is awesome stuff. Very very unique, um, you know, mindset there and tactic and something that obviously works for you. And when we were talking about lead gen, of course, the first thing you mentioned was you know mouth to mouth referrals, which of course is the lifeblood for any small business owner. Yeah. And I got to know, do you have like a, a system in place for generating those referrals? You know, how often you touch. Uh, you know, your top 100 people via text or phone, or do you send them a weekly newsletter? Like what's your system for generating consistent referrals? Yeah. So I have a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, so first and foremost, kind of like my minimum mandatory for the month is I have uh, at least two emails per month. I'm, I'm trying to increase that now. Uh, the other thing is I have at least one physical postcard, like a full sheet mailer postcard that goes out every month with a market update I call it or text everyone every quarter, just, you know, not a sales call, not like, Hey, you know, jumping at, it's just, Hey, how are you doing? Haven't talked to you, that type of thing. You know, very non salesy call. I try to, again, with the, all the marketing that I do, it's, is it's storytelling. It's like an email recap is man, how cool is this? I just got to help this veteran. He just bought a house, put 0% down. So it's showcasing all the options, that type of stuff. So yeah, two minimum of two, email newsletters per month. I've got, um, that's all my videos and content in there. I've got one physical postcard and then a call. So you're looking at, you know, probably, you know, close to at the end of the year when it's all said and done close to 50 touches on, on a variety of different things. And that's the other thing that I think is really important. A lot of people like, I just call my past clients. I'm like, well, if how many times do you actually talk to them? Like the majority of my past clients, they rarely answer the phone, right. but when I do get a hold of them, they're like, Oh, we've gotten every one of your postcards. They're good. We like that one video. So it's like, just because they don't answer it doesn't mean they're ignoring you. A lot of times it's just like, they're just busy. So that's where I think multiple channels, whether it's email, whether it's a phone call, whether it's a postcard, like the postcard has a link to the content that I send out in the email. So even if they're not reading the email, they're going to see it one way or another. I myself think the postcards the very best because everyone checks their mail. So sure. that's the one spot where, you know, people are always going to look. So multiple channels. And that's the thing that I would recommend is, is just, you know, have different things going on at once, not just one specific thing. Yeah. I like that a lot. So you got the postcard coming at him. You got the newsletter coming at him twice. Oh, a month. and then I also forgot to mention, I have the uh, HomeBot equity update goes out twice a month also. So again, it's just try to deliver as much value, news information, past client wins, uh, news about the market, the postcard with the market update, the home bot equity update for them. Occasionally I'll have updates of what's going on. Like my office just rolled out a, um, a program where we have a whole team of vetted professionals. So I just checked in with all of them and all of them and said, 
hey, we've got contractors, we've got all these people. If you ever need anything about your house, whether it's now or a year from now, just let me know. And and just that type of stuff, just trying to always deliver value and and not just be the guy that shows up every three months and says, hey, who do you know that's thinking of buying? Because it's, it's, it's so it's so cliche. And I think people are really tired of it. Yeah. Uh, I think that they just want to be they want to be treated like as people that that you respect and not like, oh, you're my pillar of lead generation or something like that. Yeah. And I think if you take care of that and you just deliver value and, and help people and answer questions, you're going to get the referrals no matter what. Sure. And you're delivering value in so many different ways. And then when you touch base with them, it's more of just a personal, Hey, how you doing? It's not like a business call. You know, that that's more the personal touch point, everything else. And is naturally like the content brings up conversations. They'll be like, Oh, we love that one video that you did about that. Uh, that, you know, the, the couple that you helped that moved here from like New Jersey earlier this year. I'm like, yeah, awesome. I said, do you know of any other friends or family that are moving here from out of town? And, and just the, the content itself brings up that conversation. Sure. Sure. And I, you know, I like how you involve the storytelling into it a lot because people love stories. They want to hear about that veteran that you helped, you know, buy that place they wanted. Like that's the sort of stuff that's really engaging to people yeah. and too many small business owners don't involve story at all into their marketing endeavors. Well, it's all about the people. And that, that's the thing that when you're talking about, and that's the thing that's so frustrating, like you hear in the industry is people throw out all these technical terms. It's like, I got a new, uh, ex, FHA program, blah, 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 blah. It's like most people like credit score, da, da, da. most people don't even know what that means. Right. You know, they, they throw out all this technical jargon, which you could say instead is, man, I had these, this couple, they've been renting for five years. They were tired of renting. They didn't have the best credit score, but we got them involved in a program where over about six months, we got their credit updated. They were able to purchase a house with no down payment. And in this market right now, the seller paid their closing costs. So they bought their house. They are finally become homeowners for no money out of pocket. They got their credit repaired. They are totally changed their life. This is a new chapter of their life. They're starting to build wealth. I'm so excited for them. And at the end of it, you can do, who do you know right now that would love to be a homeowner that's struggling renting right now, that just feels overwhelmed by the entire process? Maybe doesn't have enough money for a down payment. Maybe doesn't have the best credit score. So you're kind of covering the whole range of, well, I know someone, but their credit's bad. Or I know someone, they don't have a down payment. Or I know someone and it, da, 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 whatever. So that's where through the storytelling, it makes it relatable and real. It's not just like, hey, I've got this program here, blah, blah, blah. I was talking with one of my lenders and he's got this program out now where it's an amazing program, but he's, he's talking about all the technical stuff. And I'm like, just create a profile of like three people that, who that could work for. Right. And then create, even if it's fake, just say, you know, if you're in X, Y, Z position, if you're a renter who wants to buy, but's overwhelmed by the entire process, is sick and tired of renting and has, and hated that you just renewed your lease, you know, get as specific as possible and then create a story around that. So I think that's the most important thing in our business is I think a lot of people forget that it's all about people and everybody has their unique situation, their, their own difficulties. And if you can create that story, showing an example, then you're inspiring people. And that's who they want to work with, especially in this market right now. They want to work with the people that have the solutions that have the opportunities and not the ones that just, you know, complain about interest rates. And you and I know that there's a lot of those people that <laughs> I don't understand how real estate agents don't do Plenty. this type of thing. Yeah. They're just complaining. It's like, this is not a good look for our industry, but it's not a good look for you. So I think I the agree. storytelling and talking about opportunities and talking about difficulties, you know, here's a really big difficulty, had terrible credit, had all kinds of stuff. This is how we cleaned it up. So just that whole arc of, you know, difficulty to a success, that storytelling journey.
Yeah. I mean, that's the art of storytelling, right? You know, there's got to be an obstacle and people overcome it. And, and hopefully we're here to help them overcome their obstacles. And the more we can speak towards that, the more we're going to inspire people to want to work with us. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's they're going to be in good hands if they do. That's it. Um, so, so I know that, you know, anyone that follows you sees that you go to a lot of conferences, a lot of masterminds. I mean, I'm certainly a believer that your input determines your output. I'm always trying to listen yeah. to a positive podcast or a new audio book or going to a conference myself. Um, but this is obviously, uh, you know, something that's pivotal to your success is surrounding yourself with really impressive people. And it kind of wears off on you by osmosis. Uh, how many conferences masterminds are, are you attending per year right now? Well, I went to a lot last year. Uh, haven't been to as many this year, just because I think that a lot of people say, you know, do you have like a minimum mandatory? I'm like, I do it when I have a certain, you know, like a gap in a, in business or in, or in myself, then you want to address something. So if I haven't gone to something in a while, it's because, you know, you're getting information and you're working on it. Uh, the thing about the, the masterminds, I am in a couple of masterminds. It's just one of those things where we're so fortunate to live in a time right now where we have such short access to people that have done things at such a high level, you know, through our groups, through masterminds, whatever it may be, that I think it would be foolish to not get involved with it. The thing that a lot of people don't understand, and, and I had this issue was they think that, oh, I'm in it, I have to implement everything. A lot of times it's just reprogramming your mind, you know, just having that abundance mindset versus that limited mindset. And it's not necessarily a money thing. It's just a like, oh, the market's slowing down. There's difficulties. Well, the thing is when you're in these groups and you're at these conferences and stuff, these are the most optimistic, most excited people that talk about all the opportunities. So I think that to me, if I could take away from all the conferences and masterminds and things I'm a part of, that above all else is that there are always opportunities. There will always be opportunities for success, whether you're a buyer, a seller, a real estate agent, a business owner, whatever it may be. And that's the thing that you really realize when you get into these groups is that those are the opportunities. You don't even, I, you don't even look at it like, oh, is this a good market or is it a bad market? You know, I think there's an argument to be made for 2020 to 2021. That was a bad market, especially here, because you're getting 60, 70 offers. That is a demoralizing market for buyers. Whereas now people are saying it's a bad market. Well, things have cooled off. So that to me, more than anything between the conferences and the mastermind is just that mindset. And that's a buzzword that a lot of people talk about is mindset, mindset, but I don't think people really realize it. I think the mindset is always knowing that there's opportunities, no matter what coming from an optimistic mindset every time and looking at it, not like I'm going to close X deals. It's just how many people can I help? And that's the thing when, and, and I know you're in these two, when you get with these people, the people that are most successful are just the ones that have helped the most amount of people, For sure. whether it be information, whether it be, you know, directly hands-on. So that's the thing that I would recommend with everyone just kind of, and, and I've been guilty of this and, and this was kind of the genesis of it all. When you're having struggles in business or things are difficult, you kind of get in your own head and you get into a funk where I think that that's the most important time for you to get out of your own head, to go to these events, to go meet with people. It's so counterintuitive. You know, naturally when you're having difficulties, you're like, oh, I want to take a step back. And, but that's not, that's when you should be taking the most amount of action. That's when you should be meeting the most amount of people, you know, going to these conferences. And once you start doing that enough, then you really realize there's no good markets. There's no bad markets. There's no bad state. It's every day there's opportunities and who can I help? And that's what it is. It just becomes a game of trying to find as many people to help. 
And that's the thing that really, you know, helped me. And, and I hope that it helps everyone if they go on that journey, just getting out of that mental funk. Because unfortunately, Brett, right now, there's a lot of people right now that are really in a difficult spot and they shouldn't be because there's always opportunities. So that's what I would recommend for, for everyone is go to those events, meet those people, learn from those people. The cool thing about the ecosystems that we're in is the majority of people literally built their entire business in 2009, 2010. Right. And we're, we're nowhere near that. I mean, people make it out how bad the market is. I'm like, oh, we got 7% interest rates. Well, we don't have, you know, 30, 40, 50 million people, whatever, being foreclosed on. So right. it, there, there's difficulties, but let's all keep it in perspective. So could be worse. Well, and, and then you get that perspective too. Again, realizing that there's the, the, the most successful people are the ones that had the most amount of success in the worst amount of markets. It's all these counter counterintuitive things going on at once. So that's what I would recommend more than anything. You get to meet a lot of people, you get to learn from a lot of experts and it just gets you out of your own head. It gets you out, you know, in that environment, which I think is the most important thing. Yeah. hundred percent. I think you, you absolutely nailed it. I mean, just the, the mindset shift you get at those events. I mean, you walk out yeah. of a Tom Ferry three-day seminar or a Tony Robbins yeah. Awaken the Giant Within. I mean, you walk out of those yeah. things, forget about the tactical ideas. You walk out of those things on fire and ready to go. And that state hangs with you sometimes for two, three weeks, sometimes even over a month. I mean, that can really shoot you out of a cannon and it'll last a, a long time. So long as you keep doing the right things state-wise for yourself and regardless of what industry and you, you should be going to at least one or two conferences a year surrounding yourselves with the best in that industry and it's going to make a big difference it's going to make a big difference on the way you enjoy your work and and just and on your bottom line at the end of the year for sure um, well and the mindset becomes a buzzword but the problem is is it's it's the way that you look at the world it's the way that you look at difficulties where of, of any of these things so if you can reprogram that and really become show up with a better perspective every day. It doesn't matter if it's your business, your personal life, whatever it may be, it's going it, to, everything's going to be impacted by that. So that's where I think just having that larger perspective, I told someone, I said, you know, when you're in a rut or something, you're, you, it's almost like you have blinders on You're you're so fixated on one specific problem. Whereas when you get out to these events and you meet or you're in a room where you're with, let's say a thousand people and you listen to 20 different speakers, whatever it may be, immediately your perspective opens up. So you start seeing all the opportunities and you start hearing about what difficulties they had or they're having right now and what they're doing to attack it. So that I think is the most important thing of all, instead of being just fixated on one little thing, it's like you're walking with your head down versus looking up and looking around. And that's, I think the thing that really, that's the number one benefit from all those types of events in those rooms. Absolutely. Absolutely. And mindset it certainly is a buzzword that gets thrown around a lot to almost a, a frustrating level. But when you, when you are a small business owner, an entrepreneur, you know, staying optimistic is certainly key to success long-term. Uh, is there anything that you do on like a daily or a weekly basis habit wise to kind of keep yourself in peak state to continue taking massive action? Yeah, this is, this is one thing that I've, I've, uh, I've done. So anytime you're in a rut, Anytime you're frustrated, maybe you have a challenge in your business, you you normally want to retreat. You normally want to be like, I'm not going to film that video or I'm not going to make phone calls or, or, or whatever it may be. And we've all been in that position. The way that I kind of look at it is, let's say I'm having a specific frustration, whatever. 
I maybe don't want to film that video. Maybe I don't want to do that news piece or that article, or I don't want to call that person, or I don't want to door knock, whatever it may be. You start taking less action. The thing that I've done that's really helped me over the last year to two years is I just imagine there's people 10 times worse off than I am right now. Maybe that's renter. Maybe it's someone out of state, whatever it may be. And by me not taking action, they're not going to get out of their situation. So it's one of those things where instead of directing it from yourself, you start directing it outwards and realizing if I don't film that video, like, again, this is just truthful. This is not ego. This is the way that I look at it. If I don't film a video about a loan buy down program, there may be a buyer who is going to waste another $30,000 the next year by renewing their rental lease. Versus if they see these opportunities in this video, it gets their mind going. Maybe we buy them something. Maybe that's the foundation of them becoming a homeowner. And then next thing you know, 20, 30 years from now, maybe their kids will look back and say, wow, my mom was able to retire because she bought a house and she sold and now she has $600,000 worth of equity. That's what I think the stakes are with, with everything that we're doing. I look at like my grandmother, my grandmother, at some point, someone told her about becoming a homeowner. And this was a long, long time ago. Well, whoever it was, I'd like to go back in time and thank them because she worked a normal job and she would have never been able to retire. She would have never been able to have all this money if she didn't buy a house. She sold her house in California. She moved here. She left there with $800,000 and she could comfortably travel and enjoy life and do all these things. And that's where I think of when we're at our in this business, that's what the stakes are at. And there's more and more people right now being overwhelmed with everything that's going on, interest rates, all this stuff. So anytime I get down in a rut, I always think to myself, that's, that's a form of being selfish. You need to always look outward, whether it's a video, whether it's a, a, a blog post, whatever. I have information. I know I can help people. And by not taking action, there may be people that are, are hurt. And, you know, that, that might be the, that might be the one piece of information they need to take action to really change their, their family's life. So that would be it. I look back at another quick example, my dad and my mom, when they bought their first house, it was a, it was a foreclosure and they, there was one particular house that they were looking at and they talked to like six real estate agents. None of them answered their phone. The seventh guy answered the phone and they went and looked at it. And they were so frustrated with the process that they were like literally this close to renewing their lease. So the way that I look at it is if that seventh guy didn't answer his phone and help them and they didn't end up buying that house. I mean, this was 10 years before I was even born. You, you don't even know what happened. So that's where the stakes are at, where we're at. We have to always show up with optimism. We always have to play all out. We have to, if we're in a rut or everything, you have to snap out of it really quick because the information that we have can really, and, and I know you and I believe homeownership is one of the most important things. When you look at like on a, on a sociological scale, your home is one of the most important things and it's the foundation of your whole life. So that's, and I know it's a long tangent, but that's kind of the way that I look at it is if I'm not taking action. There's people that may be put in a difficult situation. I know you and I have the solution. We have the information. Sure. We want to help, whether it's doing something or not doing something. We're going to advise them with the best amount of information. 
and then that's it. You got to do it. powerful stuff. I mean, that's, and honestly, yeah. I've, I, I got a, a kind of a similar answer to a similar question. I had Chris Benyamin on the show a couple of weeks ago, who I'm sure you know. And, um, you know, he was talking about, you know, when, when he needs to get himself out of a rut, sure, he starts thinking about who are the people that need my help. And really, that is what's going to pull us out of the rut. And like you said, the people that are 10 times worse off than you, they need that information. They need that service. And as people, we're just intrinsically built to help each other. And that's where our true motivation is going to come from. If we're just thinking yeah. about the deal, the paycheck, the new suit we're going to buy, the new car we're going to get, that motivation's fleeting. It's not going to last. But if we're continuously yeah. putting our, our focus towards the people we're going to help, then we're going to be able to continuously take action towards our goals. I think that's really powerful stuff. Yeah. So, you know, we, we've, we've grazed over it a little bit. But we got to dive into it a little bit more. And it, it, it's your your social media content, your camera facing content. I mean, it's it's so good. It's so informative, concise. And every video of yours I've ever walked away from, I'm like, I learned something or like someone's going to learn something from that. Like none of them are fluff. They're all really well thought out videos. When did you start making camera facing content? Well, I started making, I really started going, so I've always made videos for a very long time, but it was okay. like minimum barrier to entry, like in our business, got to film a market update. That's mm -hmm. my market update for the month, one and done. I did that for years. And I think that that's kind of one of the things in our business is people are like, well, I'll do that. You and I know the video is we could talk to 10 different people today and have 10 different things. You can make one about each one of those. So again, it's sure. just documenting it. It's not, you know, one specific thing. I really went all in on video the end of 2021. I would okay. I'd take that back. Probably the mid half of 2021 really cranked it up in 2022. The beginning of 2022 went after it really, really hard. Uh, I've kind of established a baseline of, of what I do now. So I'm not looking like adding a lot more. It's just kind of sustaining the, the type of volume and things I'm doing at this point. But yeah, end of 2021, all of 2022. And of course, we're now almost halfway through 2023. So again, just sustaining the, the type of format and things I do right now. Now, you, and you've amassed a following on Instagram of over 30,000 followers. I mean, relatively yeah. quickly, right? I mean, you haven't really been like, how long have you been on Instagram for? Well, the thing about Instagram, a quick story, and I think there's a good lesson here. Sure. Uh, August, September, October, through the end of 2021, I was doing a couple videos per week, was getting maybe three to five new followers per week. And the thing that is so important about that is I was grateful to have each one of those. Every one of them was a real person. I'd send them a message. They would comment on videos. That's the thing. There's a lot of people in that spot right now that are like, oh, I only got 100 followers. I'm like, oh, I'd rather have 100 genuine followers than 1,000 fake followers. So that was the beginning. I was grateful for that. You know, 20, 30 views. I mean, I have a bunch of videos that I thought were good videos. I got two views. I'm like, I couldn't even believe two views. It seems like... <laughs> With the amount of people on the platform, you should get a lot more than two views, but that's what happened. 2022 started really cranking up. April of like 2022, it really started taking off. But the last four to five months, it's kind of been a flat line. So you're going through these ups and downs. And a lot of people are like, oh, you've got all these followers and stuff like that. I'm like, you have to think I did, and anyone did, let's say, roughly 24 months worth of work. And 90% of the growth came in two months. So that's the thing where it's like, if you're just consistent, and again, getting back to what we talked about earlier, it's so important. Making the videos it's, is it's like, when I film a video, it's, it, I think like, oh, I had a conversation with Brett about a specific topic. I'm going to make a video because I'm talking to him 
but there's someone out there in that same position. So all, all the videos, as I look at, it's just one conversation with, I'm thinking of one person. And that's the thing is I think once you start focusing on that, instead of doing like, oh, what's trendy or what's viral or what's whatever these things, I'm just going to have a specific message to help a specific person. You and I know there's not one person in the world with one challenge. There's hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands of people in our market that are having the same difficulty. We all think that our, our problems are so unique and no one else is in our situation, but it's just not the case. So that's where the majority of that came from. And the thing I, I tell everyone is the growth that I've had was a very small window of time. I mean, there was a week where I added 10,000 followers. Right. It's the outlier. It's not the norm. It was For cool sure. at the time. It was exciting. And I was getting a bunch of messages from people, but it's like, I didn't, I didn't get any motivation from that. It, 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 it's nice because I would hope that with all these new followers, you would just be sharing the message with more and more people and you would be helping more and more people. But at the end of the day, it's just one of those things that it, it's, it's not something you can control. And this is what I talked about on the webinar last week. It's like people focus on, you know, likes, followers, you know, views. Not, we don't have any control of that. You just need to focus on being consistent, improving, and, you know, having output, you know, doing the videos consistently, having that output and improving. And there's going to be all these benefits of doing these videos. You're going to be better communicating with your clients. Your clients are going to appreciate it more. You're going to help more people. So that's the thing is like the followers and all that stuff's cool, but it, it's just a, a very fleeting window where you get that. And the majority of it is just all the work on the sure. other. So it's like, you know, 5% of it, you get that type of growth where all the 95%, it's like, I'm doing the same stuff. And I know that's all I can control is just what we do. And that's the only thing I really focus on is just, you know, every video getting a little bit better, dialing in the message a little bit better. And I know we could do a podcast a year from now and, and we'll be doing the same amount of work. You know, this is the same process. You've learned a lot more, you know, you've improved upon it, but you're still doing, you're still doing the work. Yeah. I think that's helpful for people to hear though, right? It's like, yeah. Make one message for one person, you know, don't worry about what's yeah. trending. Think about that one problem that you're trying to solve for that one person who's on the other end of that video and speak directly to them. That's such a more powerful way to communicate via content, I think. And I also love when you were at whatever it was, a hundred followers or the two or three you were getting every week, you were messaging these people directly, you know, on a personal level, I appreciate the follow. And that's huge, right? You'd much rather have a following of 500 real people that are in your community as opposed to 10,000 fake followers that, you know, that do nothing for you and you do nothing for them. 100%. And I think that that's the number one, I believe that that's the number one reason why people don't have growth on the platform. And yeah. I was talking to the, to someone about this yesterday. If someone comments on your video, it would be like, if I walked up to you on the street and I said something to you. I mean, there, there would be people that wouldn't say anything, but the majority of people would say, oh, I appreciate that. Thanks. Well, you see people that like, I've had people say, you know, can you look at the, my page? And I'm like, all right. And, and they say like, I'm not getting any followers. I'm like, well, you have a hundred comments that you've never responded to. You never engaged anything. And the, the barrier to communicate with people on the platform is so low. Even just liking a comment is, is a form of communication. So that's the thing that I would recommend is if anyone's ever sending you a message, you have to respond, take it one step further, send them a voice message. I have people that say, you know, respond with like the fire emoji on a video, which is like, you know, again, the lowest effort thing that you can do. I'll just respond <laughs> back and say, Hey man, glad that you liked the video. 
and, and it's genuine. I'll just say, you know, Hey man, I, I appreciate the, appreciate the message. Hope you're having a good day so far. Um, I had fun making that video. I was thinking of a client of mine that was kind of, you know, burned out and, uh, it, it was just fun. I think that that's important perspective to have. If there's any, you know, if there's any topics you want me to cover in the future, just let me know. And the thing that you realize is then most people, the thing is, is when someone sends you a message and you respond back to them, even if it's something like, awesome, man, appreciate the support, appreciate it, or just something basic like that. The next thing you know is for the next three weeks, they're liking every video you post. They're watching every story. So it's this thing where by engaging people that are engaging you, it just, you know, it continues going. The problem is when you get to like 35,000 or whatever followers, it's very difficult to message with those people. But at that point, you should be responding to everything. You should be liking it. Uh, I'll have people that comment, uh, even real estate agents that comment on a bunch of my videos. Great job. Great job. I'll send them a message and a a voice memo. I'll say, hey, man, I appreciate that. Always, always, always enjoy seeing your comments on my uh, posts. If you ever have any questions on video, just let me know. Uh, and if there's any topics you want to know, let me know. I'll draft up a video and I'll send you the script for it. It's it's a win-win. I mean, you're you're building a, a relationship with them, but you're also getting ideas for your own content. So that's where it is. It's it's just always engage people. Always again, it's just looking to develop relationships. Sure, I think a lot when people look at social media, a lot of the time they they focus a lot on the media portion. They forget that it's supposed to be social and you are actually supposed to be on the app engaging with your community, not just posting content uh, like a movie star. So yeah, I totally agree. And and this is going to sound, this is going to sound bad. And I don't, this is just the truth. I'm not like trying to insult anyone, but it's like, occasionally things will fall through the crack. I know you, and, and I'm glad that you sent me another message about this because they, they segment up the inbox and stuff. And I've had glitches in the past where it messages don't show up. So I do miss stuff. Uh, I always try to like, if I, someone sends me another message, I'll say, Hey, I just saw that other message. I don't know what happened. You know, sometimes you miss comments, sometimes whatever, but you're doing it 90% of the time. So you're, you're still doing the best that you can. The thing about it is, is I've had people message me and I'm like, even if it takes me an hour in a day, I'm going to respond to everything. It may take me a couple of days to respond to it, but I'm going to respond to everything. If I can do it with the amount of volume that I get, you can do it with a hundred. And the, what if you look at the thing you want, the growth on the platform is not happening because you're not engaging people and people are one and done. They're like, Hey, Brett, awesome video. And you don't respond. Then they're going to be like, "Hey, I'm not going to watch his videos anymore." And <laughs> and every time they every, every time they see you in the feed, they have resentment because they're like, "That guy never responded to my comment." You and I know that's just the reality of it. It's stupid. It sounds stupid when we're talking about it, but people are fickle. And yeah. that's the thing about it. It's like if a client calls you and you're in a meeting and you're like, "I'll call you when you get back." And they're like, "Oh, you're so busy, blah blah blah." It's like that's just the way people are. That's and the way we're wired, we're, you know? That, and that's it, it. and if, yeah. if I left the fire emoji on two agents profile and Jeff Sable is the one that responded to my fire emoji, I'm, I'm going to feel a little bit more warm and fuzzy about Jeff Sable's uh, content yeah. in the future. That's just the truth of it. <laughs> it really and, is. And, and that's just the thing about it is it's, it's that you, you just have to engage people. And the thing about it is, is like if someone sends you a text or someone sends you a message, you wouldn't not respond to it. This is no different. The thing about social media, and this is another thing I talked about on that webinar, you're never going to know. You'll never know if someone quit on you as their agent. 
you'll just, the majority of times you'll never know. They could be watching your videos for six months. They may send you a message and you don't respond to it. They'll be like, yeah, well, not interested. I'll move on to the next one. So I never want to leave. Again, it just goes back to like we talked about earlier, playing all out, you know, not leaving anything on the table, having that mindset of I'm going to engage with everyone. I'm going to treat everyone. I'm going to respond to everything. And if nothing happens, nothing happens. I don't really care. I did what I know that I needed to do to engage everyone. And I know that I treated people and with respect, I got back to them. If it doesn't work out, I don't really care. I just did everything I could. That's really good stuff. And I'm sure anyone that's struggling to grow on social can take a lot out of that mindset wise, tactical wise. So, I mean, Jeff, this has been awesome. I appreciate you carving out some time today to talk to us. I was was excited for this. I know anyone listening is going to take at least a few things from this that they can implement into their business. And uh, there's a question that I like to end on sometimes and we'll end here is for someone who's listening, maybe it's an agent or another small business owner, and they kind of feel stuck in their business. You know, they're not seeing any growth or advancements. How do they get unstuck? Well, I would say... um... The thing that going back to, and this was the the number one thing that helped me was if you feel stuck in your business and we've all been there, some people just might not admit it. I think the thing that you need to start putting all of your attention and all your focus on is who can I help talking to people, knocking on doors, whatever, just dramatically increasing your output of conversations and stuff. And that's the number one thing that's helped me more than anything is when we get into this funk, we're like, we're stuck nothing's working, blah, 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 none of this stuff. Just put all of your energy and all your focus, not on any frustrations you have, shortcomings, whatever, just put it on everyone else. I am as direct as possible with people. Hey man, just help this first time home buyer. They were totally burned out of the process. Who do you know? Who do you know is in this process? It was so fulfilling. It was so much fun. We just changed our life. Be real with people. Be direct with them. You know, say, this is where I'm at in my business. I want to help these people. I just help someone like this. So that's the thing that I would recommend about getting unstuck is just putting the focus on who can I help? How can I increase that? And don't even think about any, you know, frustrations that you're having. It's very, very difficult. But anytime I get like into a rut or, you know, have some brain fog or whatever, I'll just be like, again, I'm focusing on myself. I'm thinking about all the issues that I'm having. I need to start focusing on other people. I need to get out there. I need to do more calls, knock on more doors, you know, call more past clients. When you start talking with people, they're going to be like, oh man, it's even call your past clients. Oh man, it's so good to hear from you. How have you been? Blah, blah. That's going to increase your state. So that's what I would say is focus on who needs help, who's having challenges and how can I help them? Just take the focus from your challenges to what other challenges other people are having. So good, Jeff. Thank you, man. You brought the fire today. Really appreciate appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Where can people follow you? Keep up with all you're up to. Yeah. So I, I, the majority of everything I do is through Instagram. They can send me a message, comment, whatever. I'll always hear for everyone, all your, the community that you have would love to help them any way I can. Uh, so it's at Jeffrey Sable. That's my username. Um, and that that's primarily it. I use Instagram really as my website now too. So I put it on business cards and stuff like that uh, and reach out to me there and would love to answer any questions they have. I'll always here for you and your community. And uh, that's the thing that's cool. A year ago, I met someone and we talked last week. So I'm in it for the long haul, no matter what. So any way that I can help and serve your community, I'd love to do that.
Love it, Jeff. Thank you, man. Everyone out there listening, I know you got a lot from this conversation. If you've got some time, I'll always appreciate you leaving a rating on whatever you're listening to us on. If not, no worries. I appreciate you being here. We'll see you next week. And until then, guys, let's do big things.